in today's episode of the Amon Wire podcast. The problem today is that people do, don't d- develop their internal reality. They just, everything is externalized. And of course, then they're left, you know, when the external reality starts, you know, slipping away, they're left with themselves. We have lost this internal direction toward Allah, and everyone is worried about how they're going to be in the, you know, in the world. And I see this, you know, with a lot of these activist movements, Muslim activists, they want to be, they want to be amazing, and they want to be supermen, and they want to. Be, there are lots of conferences about Muslim leadership and all of that. Well, that's fine. But if you have no internal reality, you've lost the point. Islam is not about identity or community. It isn't. It's about knowing God. And everything else comes from that. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Iman Wire podcast. Salim here joining me, uh, a return guest who's going to coming on as a host, um, Dr. Hassan Awan. Assalamu Hassan. Alaikum assalam. It's an honor to be here. Great to have you back. Uh, Hassan was on one of our very first podcasts where we talked about actually opioid addiction. And um, he's uh, joining us here today uh, as a host. So we can welcome uh, our esteemed guest today, um, the author, uh, Sida Harun uh, Michael Sujic, who is the author of a new book called Heart's Turn, Sinners, Seekers, Saints, and the Road to Redemption. Assalamu alaikum, Sida Harun. How are you? Wa alaikum salam. Just fine. Thanks. Thank you for uh, taking the time out of your busy schedule to be with us. We're really excited to have you on. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Before we get into um, your book, uh, I think, you know, just as a background, I think one of the, if not the existential question that we all ask ourselves is, um, how do I become close to the divine? How do I connect with our, uh, the creator? And um, as our spiritual teachers and masters have 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 outlined for us um, the path of that journey to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is um, a journey of purification, a purification of the heart, purification of the soul. And in that path, um, as, 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 we, as we learn, really the, the initial step or the gate um, to that path of purification on that journey to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is uh, Tawbah. And I'm not going to translate that. I'll, I'll leave it to you, um, uh, Sidi Harun, in, in a moment. But that is, is, is the subject of uh, really this, um, this wonderful book that you've just written. Tawbah is something that we hear a lot about and we, un- we sort of understand, but it's uh, often difficult to understand an abstract concept without seeing it in a living uh, a lived experience, and I think that's one of the the beauties of of your book, uh, Sidi Harun, of 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 bringing that together. So to start us off here, I'd like to, if you could, for our listeners and for for us here as well, um, discuss the concept of of toba, what it means, why is it important, and and how how important it is in that in, in our in our path of of nearness to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Uh, I think the best way for me to do that is to read from the introduction. Oh, that'd be uh, great because it's uh, more concise than if I uh, vaporized on the subject. In English, repentance is a forbidding word that suggests a puritanical finality, but in Arabic, the term tauba is dynamic, meaning to turn or to return. A tawab is one of the names of God, the oft returning. It is an active constant, an ongoing reality that renews every moment we're alive. The saint Sahal ibn Abdallah al-Tustari, may God be well pleased with him, wrote, 
Tauba is a duty incumbent upon a human being every moment, whether of the elect or common folk, whether obedient to God or disobedient. Tauba is therefore our default setting. Everyone sins, even saints, but the sins of a saint are of a different order. For an ordinary mortal, a sin is usually gross. For a saint, forgetting God for a single instant is a sin requiring a return to God. When someone asked Dulnun al-Misr, may God be well pleased with him, about repentance, he answered that the common people repent from sins, whereas the elect repent from forgetfulness. According to the master Abu Ali al-Daqaq, may God be well pleased with him, repentance consists of three parts. Its beginning is tawbah, which is repentance from sins. Its middle part is inaba, which is turning to God. And its end is awba, which is returning to God. And Imam al-Kusheri, may God be well pleased with him, comments on this saying, Whoever repents out of fear of divine punishment acquires a, a tawbah. Whoever repents out of a desire of divine reward acquires inaba. And whoever repents out of compliance with divine command, not out of desire or of reward, nor out of fear of punishment, acquires an awba. So, this is very well defined in, in our tradition, and it's misunderstood by many people today because of the, the sort of Christian overlay and also the kind of fundamentalist approach to religion, which is more sort of black and white. You know, you, you commit a sin and you have a black mark. And people, uh, the reason I, I wrote this book was that I, I met many young people on you know, the book tours that I made for the previous book I wrote. And I found that they were, they felt that they were doomed, kind of, that they were, you know, they'd done something wrong in their past and that they, they could never get out of it. And, and um, what they fail to understand is this is a, an in, inherent and necessary part of existence. The Prophet Muhammad, alayhi salatu wasalam, said, if you did not sin, God would destroy you and replace you with the people who sin so they can make tawbah. In other words, and the prophet also said of himself, he said, I'm, I make tawbah 70 times a day. This is the prophet Muhammad. So we're supposed to do wrong things. And the process is refining that. So you do something wrong in a very gross, uh, dark sense and you make tawbah, but then later on, perhaps you just make a, you know, you, you look at someone in the wrong way, you know, or you have, a, have a, a thought passes through your mind, which is wrong, and you make tawbah from that. And then eventually, if you're uh, on the, a spiritual path, you, you, you make tawbah from forgetting God. Uh, and, and, and so this is a constant, constant, and, and then, you know, people who are ascending on the, in the spiritual path, they make tawbah from where they were from before. In other words, they were in one state of being or, uh, 
station of, of being, and they've moved to another So they turn away from where, where they were before. So it's a constant, constant process. And what people have to understand is that it's, it's absolutely necessary because it awakens the heart. The, the thing is, in modern life now, we're taught, particularly in, West, in Western civilization, we're taught that we're supposed to feel good all the time. Everybody wants to feel good. But actually, first of all, that's unrealistic because that doesn't happen in reality. And people, when they feel bad, they want to run away from feeling bad. So then you have issues like opioids and, and alcoholism and all of these things. They're, 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 uh, they're chemical ways of escaping feeling bad or distress or stress or unhappiness. But on a spiritual path, you actually embrace these things. One of the um, uh, uh, Aulia, one of the saints said, if you, if you knew the value of distress, you would only ask God for distress because this is how you grow, you develop. So it's embracing these things like, whoa, I just lost something. In, uh, one of the Shuyu, uh, Sheikh Darkawi, he said um, that the strong uh, uh, seeker is the one who rejoices at loss. He loses something, instead of feeling bad, he rejoices and says, Alhamdulillah, I lost this thing. Alhamdulillah, this happened. That's, that is, you have to have a great deal of strength because we don't naturally want to feel bad. But it's taking that, and, and when you have that process, you start internalizing your life. One of the reasons people feel so terrible all the time, I mean, I, I'm always appalled at, at talking to people, and they, you know, they, they have very nice lives, you know, they, they live well, they eat well, they have nice houses, they drive nice cars, they're dressed well, everything's, you know, the, it's a sunny day, and they're feeling terrible. And I think one of the reasons is no one has an internal, has developed an internal reality. Everything thing is externalized. It's all about, uh, you know, how much money you're making, how successful you are, how you look, you know, the, are you having fun? You know, all these things that define uh, our worldly life and people don't have an internal life. Uh, and uh, this this is something, the tauba is the thing that connects you to your internal reality because it's it's connected to the outside. You do something wrong and then you have remorse over it. And one of the things that you learn when you study these, these things is that remorse is the thing that erases the wrong action. It, 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 it's, it, it's, it's, it's as if it never happened. And there are many, many things in the, in the Hadith, many statements in the Hadith literature that talk about this. Um, the Prophet Muhammad said, if you sinned until it reached the heaven, then repented, surely God would turn to you. Uh, and uh, Al-Hujwiri, he, he, he wrote, you must know that tawbah, or repentance, is the first station of pilgrims on the way to the truth, just as purification, or tahara, is the first step of those 
who desire to serve God. So the, the secret, and one of the other uh, saints of Islam, Abdullah Ansari of Herat, he said, repentance is the signpost on the path, the leader of the kingdom, the key to the treasure, the intermediary that assists you to become united with God, the condition for being accepted to the divine presence, and the secret of all happiness. That's how important this, this is. This is an amazing, uh, you know, Barakulafik, that's just so profound. What struck me in regards to what you're saying now and, and really what I read in your book, you know, is this kind of sense of an intimacy, a directness that Islamic spirituality has with, with our relationship with Allah SWT in regards to Toba as a process. And uh, you mentioned, you know, it's a dynamic process that not only is it dynamic, you know, for the human heart and the human soul, you know, for the spiritual heart, but, but it's a dynamic process for God in regards to um, turning, you know, you know, over and over, you know, just ever again to the human being who has, you know, forgotten him. And what struck me was that, you know, all of these you know, chapters, you know, of these life stories are precisely, um, you know, the human heart in the situation of conflict, turning to God, recognizing that God was always turning their way and all of their life was a kind of excuse for that. Mm. It was, it's, it's just a beautiful unfolding. Every chapter is. And I wanted to mention this because you mentioned uh, this aspect of activity and the dynamicity, you know, kind of, of Toba from both sides, from God's side and, and from human side. You know, I was wondering if you could speak a little bit more about that, perhaps. Well, I think one of the, one of the, um, the things that happens to people who are in, in the process of Toba uh, is that they begin to experience imminence or the presence of, of God. Um, we, we sometimes forget that the 20th century was the first atheist century in, in our known history. It was a century where the largest country in, in Europe and the largest country in Asia both became atheist states. Existentialism was a, a dominant f philosophy for a long part, a big part of that century. It was characterized by two horrific wars, and 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 people, um, which reinforced this idea that God was absent. So, to many people, uh, if God was invoked at all, He was invoked as an absence, not as a presence. And of course, in our tradition, we have this 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 uh, 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 this this fact of of imminence of presence in Hassan uh, to worship God as if you see Him. For while you do not see Him, He sees you. This sense of presence that He's He's here, He's present. And and in the Quran, uh, we're told that Allah is closer to us than our jugular vein. So we we think of these things as sort of poetic terms that are you know that that aren't they we don't accept them as as a as an absolute reality but that's the case. So what happens to people is that they experience uh, this sense of presence in ordinary life. It's not some celestial experience or some necessarily some amazing dream. It can be something that happens through uh, ordinary events, and suddenly you realize God is present. Um, and one of the stories um, 
uh, I won't go into great detail, but one one of the people that became Muslim, uh, he he you know he said to me, "I'm freaking out here because I never believed in God, and now I believe in God, and I'm praying, and I I wanted this cat, and and I really wanted the cat, so a cat, you know, as a pet, and." I prayed to God to give me a cat, and then this cat came, and I'm freaking out here because is this, you know, real? Is this is is this from God, or am I just, you know, going crazy here? And it was a very, you know, moving, real statement. And I said, of course, this is because God is present. You know, these things happen all the time. We're we're we're, but many people go through this 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 period of. Of real, realizing that God is present, that He that He's He's there, He's there, and speaks to you through um, all kind. God, I mean, the first section of the book is called "God Finds You Wherever You Are," and and there there's a, a, a there there's there's a, a strong reality of that. And in the in in the ancient tradition of tabakat or biographies of the saints, much of that is lost. So you see someone who is uh, who was maybe a terrible person. There were some great uh, saints of Islam, Fudayl ibn Iyad, for example, or Habib al Ajami, who were very terrible people before they they made tawbah. Uh, Fudail was a was a bandit, and uh, some in, by some re- reports he was a murderer, and uh, and uh, uh, Habib al Ajami was a was a really unpleasant usurer, and these people became phenomenal saints. If you read the stories about them, though, everything happens all at once. Right, like they became like they get they hear one thing, and it changes everything. But in fact. It's a kind of a process, and what I wanted to try to sh- show through contemporary stories was how that process worked in the th- in the in the in the thinking of people and in the encounters they have, and uh, and then suddenly there's a trigger, something happens, and then they they get it. So it's it's trying to show this this process of realization in all kinds of different forms and right. Ways. I mean, um, yeah, the story that you mentioned about uh, Fudayl ibn Ayyad. Um, you know, it, it, I thought it was interesting because uh, it, exactly that was the thing that that when you mentioned that I was thinking when I read it myself is that a lot of these stories of the of the previous um, generation it's like this like you know like this snap happens and immediately they have this rush and for certain certainly as and I think I, I think I should preface this statement by saying that certainly Toba the act of turning to Allah that is a divine gift obviously that comes from that's com- everything is coming from Allah and and so for some people yes it, it may happen where that's that sort of that light bulb um, comes on in their head um, but I think the interesting thing about uh, when I was fascinated by his story is that like he was not you know, they're stories of, of sinners, but he was a sinner who was also um, like honorable in some ways. Like he has sort of an honorable gangster type sort of behavior, yeah. you know, because he didn't like rob like I think he didn't rob like the weak or women or things like that. That's right. right. And, but also um, he was also very like um, he had like um, some Islamic knowledge. He was actually practicing. And I think this sort of um, uh, I mean, we would call today's sort of hypocrisy, but I think a lot of us are 
are, are living a life where, you know, we are Muslim and we're, we're, um, we're doing, you know, we're doing our salah or we're doing certain things that are part of religion. We're also on the other side, maybe having uh, illegal trade or doing things in our personal life or family life, which are really, you know, um, a complete opposite to what one would expect for someone down Muslims, that, right? yeah, part-time part-time Muslims. Muslims. but I think I think that touches on a lot of our experience right. it's a human experience it's not just you sure. know we're not just the person who goes to the masjid that that person also might go to the leave the masjid and do something very terrible or vice versa right, right. so uh, I was wondering if you could sort of touch on um, his story and, and connect it with some of the modern stories that you were coming through and, and, and again about, about this process because I think what is the like what is I think one of the difficulties for people who want to turn to Allah uh, is that they expect that light bulb moment um, and that's not always going to be how it happens it, as you said it's a process so what are the what are the prerequisites if I could use that term to Toba? Well, I, I don't think that there's a one-size-fits-all sure. pattern or anything. I think that um, everyone has their own path, and Allah speaks to them. Through, uh, God finds you wherever you mm-hmm. are. God speaks to them through where, where they are. Uh, in my own story, I talk about two incidents where I had tarot card readings. Now, we all know tarot, you know, that soothsaying and that kind of thing is completely haram. But I wasn't a Muslim, and I didn't even believe in it, but I had these readings which were really unsettling and actually were, um, they foretold things that were going to happen. Now, I don't know, but this was, I saw this as God speaking to me. Ultimately, you know, in retrospect, this is how Allah guided me. Um, and I think um, in, in the case of Fudayl, I mean, one, one parallel uh, that, that is pr- probably um, as close to him as, as anything, it, w- it was um, uh, the story that I told about Martin Askew. Martin Askew was a was f- from gangster royalty. He was a, he was a thug. Uh, his father was a gangster. His grandfather was a gangster. He was East London, you know, gangsters. His cousin, Lenny McLean, was a famous bare knuckle fighter and, and bouncer and criminal. Uh, and, uh, Martin ultimately became a Muslim. And the way that he became a Muslim, he was, he was nearly beaten to death. Um, and he had friends who died, you know, violently. And so one thing after another led him. And when, when he was nearly, you know, he was being beaten, he prayed to God, please don't let me die like this. And he saw a flashing light. And after that, he, he happened to have a Muslim girlfriend who wasn't religious at all. But she said, you need to read the Quran. And he said, what do I need that? He said, I'm a Christian. She said, what kind of a Christian are you? And so it, 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 she planted a seed in his, in his mind, and he went to a bookstore just looking for books, and uh, the first thing he saw was a, a volume of the Quran. And uh, so he bought it and started reading the Quran, and one thing led to another, and he became a Muslim. And he's a phenomenal person. He's a terrific, you know, he's very, very smart. But he's also comes from the streets. So he's, his, his language is street language. He's expressing things. And he also mentioned the, 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 the idea that in, in 
in, in the world of crime, there was also a code of honor, and he understood that. And so he said it was like the Jahiliya, you know, the, 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 the Quraysh before Islam had, uh, had these great codes of honor. They were, they were noble, but they were ignorant. And he, he felt the same way. So, the, you know, the, you, you see how people change their thinking. And one big factor, I think, uh, in, in almost all of these stories is some kind of encounter with death. Mortality is, a, is, a, is, is, is something we don't deal with in Western society. Uh, I have a friend who, um, actually, Mustafa Badawi, who is a wonderful translator, but he's also a psychiatrist, and I was sitting with Mustafa once, and just out of curiosity, I said, what, what is the primary contributor to insanity? You know, what, what factor is, you know, makes people go crazy? And he said, uh, denial of death, which was, I, I, it's the most obvious thing, but it took me by surprise when he said that. And then I started thinking about it. And of course, it's the only thing we know that's definitely going to happen to everybody. We know we're all going to die. Everybody's going to die. And to deny that is completely mad. It's insane. And people, do, this is part of, uh, of you know of uh, of of the our contemporary life, death is put away. You know, is hidden, uh, or it's romanticized, or it's it's sentimentalized, and 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 we, we lose something by that. So many people who who um, take the take the spiritual path, who make tawbah, are people who've been confronted in one way or another with death, either their their own or um, uh, someone close to them, or in, 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 in even metaphorically, uh, you know, th having, being confronted with, the, with um, the reality that you will die and thinking about it and contemplating it. So what's interesting is is that just coming back to some of the um, some of the points made here, um, you know, is this aspect of while you know while you were speaking, you know, about the initial process because we hear about uh, the olia or the saints um, from some of these tabaqat, um, you know, in regards to um, how amazing they were, but we don't hear about what now in contemporary genres called the origin story, if you will, right? So the origin story of heroes or you know of superheroes, you know, in movies, which you know now fascinates. Uh, the public, but here we have in this book really the origin story, uh, the spiritual origin story of multiple individuals who um, um, you know, many of us know in some capacity. Um, so me in particular, you know, I know, you know, you know, you know, Sidi Abdullah Shalifer, you know, I know, say, the Aisha Hari Henry. Yeah. And, you know, you know, especially she's like a spiritual mother for me in, mm. in this many ways. She's a beautiful, just beautiful soul. And so just to see her whole story like this pan out is just, I mean, it brought me to tears, actually, just what she went through. Yeah. And um, so this origin, I mean, so this aspect of an origin story is, you know, very profound. Like we need more of this because... Because our whole life is this kind of process. And to, we're all in our origin story trying to find ourselves and God. And God being that X factor, if you will, in regards to, you know, that awakening and that turning and returning and, and, and that whole process. And I just wanted to make that point. And, you know, if there's, you know, yes, you can speak to that. We have 
<clears throat> been educated out of the idea that we can know God. But in fact, all of religion, and particularly Islam, is about one thing only. It's not about identity. It's not about community. It's not about how you dress. It's not about what you eat. It's not about anything except knowledge of God. It's to know God. All religion is that way. If, and, and if all religions would focus on that goal, they, no one would be fighting. Who cares? You know, if, if you believe in one thing and you think and you sincerely think that you can know God through that particular practice and, and tradition. And Islam, we have this. We have a science of knowing God. But unfortunately, over the last 150 years, that science has been extracted from the core of, from the mainstream of Islam and put over in, 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 it's called Sufism or it's called something else, but it's really the way of Hassan. And, uh, if, if you, if you take that away, you take away the, 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 the actual reason for knowing God, for, for, for following a spiritual tradition, a religious tradition. People have been, you know, told, that God is up here, up in the sky somewhere in heaven, and we're down here, and there's no real connection except we have to behave ourselves and pray, and and then maybe we won't go to the fire, or maybe we'll go if we're lucky, we'll go to heaven, you know, or behave, you know. So, and, and this is not the the case. Allah is closer to you than your jugular vein. Allah is present. So this, this sense of imminence is very, very important. So the other thing that people think is that, that saints, for example, what we call friends of Allah, awliya of Allah, um, are these mythical beings or supermen or something like, no, they're very human. They're, they're, they're the only thing that the main thing that separates them from ordinary people is that they've overcome the ego, that the ego is no, not there anymore, that all the, the, the turgid, the nafs al-amara bisu uh, is, is, is erased, is gone. They've defeated the ego. They've killed the ego. And um, there's, there's a science of how to do that. And you go from step to step to step. And it's not a, it's not some instant nirvana that you experience. It's a life lifelong quest, but it changes people. It it transforms people, and people need to understand that the spiritual path is for everybody. It's not for special people. Um, it's for everybody, and in theory, anyone can reach the goal or can can know God. That's what we're we're supposed to we're supposed to be seeking that as human beings, not just as 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 Muslims or like a special group. Everybody is supposed to 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 seek the knowledge of God, and everyone has access to it. And so, in theory, anyone can become a wali Allah. The fact that people don't is because they they're not interested or they're distracted and engaged in other things so but they have access to it it's not special for special people and 
the 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 there are living saints and one of the the things that we've been trying to do is to reintroduce that uh, reality to to people uh, and to try to make it make it understandable uh, i mean one of the things that that um uh, that you, you 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 discover when you sit with people like that is that they're very very humble they have beautiful qualities of character they're not arrogant they don't behave like kings or you know uh, grand people they're they're sometimes almost invisible um and you you discern the, the, the their qualities through the heart you start recognizing uh, things in them. They're not necessar necessarily even charismatic. They can be very, very, they're very humble people, quiet people, and full of knowledge. And the, and that knowledge is, is, is effulgent or illuminated. It, it does something to you. So being in the presence of these people is very important. But also what it means that you can progress, you, you, you benefit from their presence. And you change, and we know people who have been with on these paths who started as very ordinary people with the same kind of neuroses and complexes and irritations and distractions as everybody who are transformed over a period of time and you and you know I'm an old guy now, so uh, i've seen I've seen this process in 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 people and it's it's very moving because you see how someone can be transformed uh, in the, by this kind of guidance. And to that point, um, you know, talking about Toba as, a, as an ongoing process, one of the verses that you, in the book that you, uh, as one of the headlines for one of the chapters was from Surah Al-Baqarah, in Allah yuhibbat tawabin wa yuhibbat mutatahirin, that verily Allah loves the... Uh, the ones who repent and the ones who purify themselves. And the interesting thing for me about that verse is that verse is in the same context of talking about uh, doing ghusl after, uh, from impurity, specifically talking about women's menses, actually, because that's something that happens on a, on a regular basis, right? So it's connecting physical purity with, um, uh, with tova, because that is the same, has to be that same constant re returning returning, returning, and it has to be a regular practice. And hearing you talk about like the awliya, I think that's sort of like, you know, we think of Toba as the beginning, but it's really not the beginning. It's it's a full path. But by going down that path of Toba, then from what I can gather from the stories you've been telling us, that that's the path that needs to be taken, this constant path of returning, turning, Toba, Toba. I mean, you and, and we, we all have an ego and we need an ego. Uh, but ultimately, we need to kill the ego. But the ego is the locus for light. So when the ego is 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 erased through through forms of self denial, and and in in this day they're much gentler than the, in the early days where people would, you know, fast perpetually and and not eat anything and stay up all night and. It, we, we're, we're not living in that time anymore that we can do that, but we still get tremendous benefits from the efforts that we, we do make. And when that happens and the, and the ego is finally, you know, uh, you know, minimized, let's say, then it's taken over by light 
uh, Sheikh Tarkawi said when the the uh, heart is is um, emptied of beings, it becomes filled with being. Beautiful. And and so it's this this so and and it's a human it's it's not a superhuman thing it's it's very human uh and so people need to understand that they, that it's for them one of the one of the things that many people forget is that the 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 sahaba were all ordinary people who became extraordinary through uh, the 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 uh, practice uh, of islam through through the, the the transformative practice of Islam, they weren't in the beginning special people or saintly people. They were ordinary people. That's the lesson that we need to learn from from that in our history. Uh, the Anbiya. This is another. That's another thing altogether. They, they, Allah created them in order, perfect in order to. To, to teach people, but the Sahaba were imperfect people. They they were flawed, and they they were ex, they were uh, completely transformed. And we have the same ability to for, uh, to be to to transform inwardly by taking on these sciences within our tradition. You know, sort of the beginning, as you talked about how you in your. Um, when you were going, uh, meeting different communities, um, in, uh, when you're on book tour for your previous book, which is called Signs on the Horizons, which is a excellent book also talking about your experiences with, um, many of the saintly figures that you've encountered, um, that you talked about sort of this crisis of, of hopelessness, uh, if I could term it that way, amongst a lot of young people. Um, but I'm sure obviously many people of all different ages, uh, you know, this, this hopelessness that we have that, you know, that I'm just like a lost cause or that I can't, mm. I can't break this sin that I'm in. Caught and in the I, cycle. Caught uh, in that cycle. Yeah. And, I, I, and you know, I, we were sort of mentioned offhand like addiction earlier, uh, but like, you know, you know, I, I think one of the problems we have is that, you know, when you, when you perform a sin and then you, as, as, as we learn, if you perform even a minor sin, you know, if you keep on doing that sin, right, it, it sort of degrades and degrades and then you start losing the, the gravity of it, you know, and, that, and that's one of the reasons why we're supposed to avoid like even minor infractions because it leads to less of a, you'll get into worse things, right? But even just doing the same sin over and over again, which I think what a lot of people have and, and, and whether that's an addiction or not, it'd be interesting to hear your take on this, Hassan and, and Sita Harun is that, it, you know, where does, how do we, how do we, um, like break a cycle of that where it may even be biochemically now an involvement of, of that behavior, you know, and, 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 and in your book, you know, you speak about people who were involved in certain addictive behaviors, like, mm -hmm. um, you know, you speak about smoking, you speak about, um, there's a, I, I think you mentioned uh, the, the, someone who was like, um, who got his uh, Islam from? He, 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 his exposure to Islam was through his hash dealer, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, yeah. you know, people like that. You have, um, you know, uh, some of um, uh, one of the, the the saintly figures who was a drunkard, right? And and mm -hmm. and, and so there are there are stories in your book which speak about what we would call today like people who are in these addictive practices, or uh, but there are also sinful practices. So, you know, where is like in, in your experience in, in in researching these stories and speaking to people, like what it, what was it that helped them to to finally break out of this very harmful cycle. Well, I think uh, I, I think they, they possibly bottomed out 
you know, I think that that's that's what happens. Uh, my my dear friend uh, Danny Thompson, uh, Hamza Thompson, um, was uh, when he, he's a great musician, but he was also an alcoholic, a, a drunk, and you know, really serious alcoholic, and he just reached a point where he 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 reached bottom. And then he stopped. And I asked him recently, I said, did you? Did it take you a long time to get, you know, to, to break the habit? He said, no, I just stopped. I just stopped. And uh, the story we have about smoking was these guys, you know, encountered a sheikh who talked them through, you know, why you shouldn't smoke. And they all stopped cold turkey. And the only thing, I, when, when this friend of mine stopped smoking, a, a mutual friend of ours, I said, so-and-so has stopped smoking. Is he okay? He said, well, yeah, he's fine, except I saw him strangling his suffragi over 10 piastres, which is like half a penny or something. Yeah, you know, so he went, they went through periods. But I think one of the other things that people... Um, feel is, is, is this, they, they feel that they're hopeless, hopelessly lost or, you know, hopeless, and, and that they'll never become real believers. Um, and uh, one of the great passages that I've come across is from Shamsi Tabriz in his Makalat. He said, in my view, no one can become a Muslim just once. He becomes a Muslim then he becomes an unbeliever. Then again, he becomes a Muslim. And each time something comes out of him, so it goes until he becomes perfect. It's that process, it's this sense of process that people have to, they need to realize that they can change at any given time. And, you know, there, tragically, there are some people who never get out of these things. They, they, they're casualties of life. And it's, it's something, astaghfirullah, uh, but it's decreed by Allah that, that they will be destroyed. And, you know, because uh, um, a, a sin like that can be actually an opening, and particularly the consequences of, 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 of wrong action can, can actually propel you to, to um, uh, change or, or not in which case it becomes a punishment. And people have that choice. We have, you know, we're, we're confronted with choices all the time. Uh, so it, it means we have to have some, we have to, there is some effort required. And if someone just gives up and lets themselves go to hell, as, and we have, you know, we have the right to do that. There's no compulsion in the deen. You have the absolute right to send yourself to hell, you know. And by this, you know, there are people now, you know, with these sort of new age philosophies and things that are coming out is that people are, you know, these gurus or teachers are saying there's no such, there's no hell. Hell doesn't exist. Oh, yes, it does. All we have to do is look around. Look at, look at the world today. People are living in hellish, hellish, uh, uh, circumstances, hell, you know, and if there, if it exists in this world, it exists in the next world. Just as was, many of us live in in heaven, you know, we're living, we're living, we have everything we need. Allah is generous, so 
we're living in that kind of bounty and and beauty and we if we recognize it we're we it's increased but hell exists and you can and and there are people i mean i i knew someone who uh did a, a series of very terrible things and actually left islam and i saw him uh at one point and he said i'm in hell you know he was experiencing hell and uh this is also another thing that for some people it propels them on the path uh, is the experience of hell. Uh, one of the stories that's not in here is, is of, of a, someone I knew who uh, he, um, he, he went to hell and his, his, he wouldn't let me publish this story in the book, although it's a terrific story. But his description of it is absolutely, you know, it's, it's hair-raising. It's, it's very frightening. And he has this vivid memory of it. And the, the extraordinary thing was that the only thing that would get him out of hell, this feeling of the, this, that he was, he was descending into hell, which was a horror, um, was that he, he had to put his head on the ground. And if he put his head on the ground, the feeling of hell would subside. So he, 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 he had this experience where, he, you know, it lasted for like weeks. He was in this, this terrible, terrible state. But then finally it started to subside and he, he would, whenever he'd feel this thing coming on, he would dive for the floor. And at one point he knew, uh, he knew the, um, the, the one of the men who had been a bodyguard of Malcolm X and he was in some gathering and suddenly this feeling came on and he just put his head on the ground Allah. and this guy walked by him and said hey man that's the way we pray beautiful. and that's how he first learned about Islam that's beautiful. through this thing that's you know I mean, it's an extraordinary thing but people also have that experience where they're in hell. They bottom out. They're, they're, there's nothing left. And, uh, and actually, in his story, what happened was that even that stopped working, you know. And he, this feeling of hell started to come back to him. And then he prayed. And he said, please help me. And then a, some, he had some light hit him. And that's, that's when, you know things began to change and he be, ultimately became a Muslim. This is all amazing because, you know, in light of all what you were just saying as well, it's, you know, especially in regards to New Age spirituality, um, there's a lot out there now, as you're saying, where, where, the, where the self, meaning the lower self, is denied. Like there's no doer, right? Yeah. Uh, there's no heaven or hell. Uh, there's only God, right? Now, if that was the case, we wouldn't be experiencing hell, right? You know, I mean, if we saw God everywhere, we wouldn't be experiencing hell. But, um, you know, you know, attempting to bypass yeah. a, a, this personal process, like that's what we term now spiritual bypassing. And, and you see that a lot now. So the beauty of Islamic spirituality is this aspect, you know, kind of, of having a, this intimate you know, kind of knowing of your own humility. It's as if you're bearing witness when you're at rock bottom, mm. that this is exactly what I am. And God is still here for me. He is merciful. He is loving. You know, you know, in Allah, you know, in Allah, Yahibu Tawabin, the point of that is God loves right. those who turn mm. incessantly back 
yeah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yeah, and so he that. loves that. He loves that process. So God is intimately involved in that process. Once we begin waking up, from a Muslim point of view, that's like taking a shahada, you know, at rock bottom. Mm. So taking shahada, and it's a kind of way of coming out of this, right, and moving forward. I once heard from a spiritual teacher in regards to addiction, like when someone had brought up, uh, I'm addicted to these things, even to certain sins. What can I do? I feel hopeless. You know, I feel helpless. And um, like that teacher said, um, become addicted to toba. <laughs> that was such a beautiful yeah, response, that's, that's a beautiful response yeah. that now turn the tables on that equation, that vicious cycle, return over and over and over again, a tatoba, that will take you out of that because then your soul won't have, your nafs will not have that opportunity to tell you that I'm, you know, I'm worthless. Mm. So I might as well stop all this because I can't get out of this. No, that has become a means uh, to recognizing God's mercy, mm. that, that I'm calling upon God's mercy. And so this is just a very interesting yeah. point. Uh, my friend Martin Askew, the, the former gangster, um, was deeply influenced by the hadith of the Prophet, which in which... Uh, one of the Sahaba came to him and asked for counsel, and he said, do not be angry. And then he, he said, can you give me more counsel? He said, do not be angry. And he kept repeating, do not be angry. And for Martin, that was a revelation, mm -hmm. because he thought, how could I, his whole life as a, as a gangster had been fueled by anger. You know, if someone looked at him wrong, he would beat them you know he was he was an he loved brawling he loved to be in a brawl because he he confessed that he was so insecure that the only time he felt okay about himself was when he was fighting and be, you know in in a brawl because he, he, he felt he was in control so what happened after he became a muslim he would go out every day with the intention of not being angry. Mm. I'm not going to be angry. So someone would look at him wrong and he would, instead of reacting, he would say, I'm, I'm not going to get angry. And I, and he would, his whole day was, was like that. Mm, beautiful. And, and it changed the way, and it, it was the key, um, piece of knowledge that, that, that he needed to change. And so he completely transformed from that. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. I recall a few statements, um, if you don't mind. The um, uh, the first is that you know you know it's a very famous statement that uh, that you know every you know saint has a past, and every sinner has a future. And mm -hmm. so this whole Allah, book Allah. you know speaks to yeah, such a beautiful absolutely. statement. It just I mean like that gives hope. You know I remember giving a sermon once on Toba, and that was the one thing I stated that everyone remembered because it was just not you know just beyond the cliche it's about hope. Mm -hmm. um, you know another statement in Islamic spirituality is is that you know that there are as many paths to God as there are you know the souls of uh, you, know, kind of, you know of the children of Adam. Mm. Which means yes. that every life is a spiritual path. Mm. Actually, it is. It is. Yeah. Oh, um, there's a, um, a passage from one of the books uh, from actually Kashf al-Mahjub by, by al-Hujwari. An old man came to Abu Ali Shaqiq Ibrahim al-Azdi and said to him, "O oh, Sheikh, 
I have sinned much and now wish to repent. Shaqiq said, You have come late. The old man answered, No, I have come soon. Whoever comes before he's dead comes soon, though he may have been long in coming. And, you know, it's beautiful, beautiful. People, you know, Allah is, is the most merciful of the merciful. And, uh, and you see these things. I mean, there, there was a, a post that, uh, that someone uh, put on Facebook, which was extra- really extraordinary. Of a, 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 apparently, this young Muslim was in a hospital and he was visiting a relative or something, and he heard a voice saying, is there a Muslim? Is there any Muslim? Can, can, and he, he came upon this lady, very, very, very old woman, and he, fo- he, he, he videotaped her. She said, I want to become a Muslim. And she was, she was, she was, it had to be at least a hundred years old. She was very, very old. And, he gave her shahada and he filmed it and she said shahada in arabic and in english you know he, he administered the shahada and then she died so she came soon that's one of the things about that i think hearing all the stories and um that you relate in your book, both past and present, um, not just about uh, the turning of, of Tawbah, but just about how the different ways Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guides, mm. you know, because, uh, you know, I love that quote that you had of uh, Shams Tabrizi before mm. about how, um, you know, that he says, like, you know, you don't just become a Muslim once. Because I think sometimes, like, you know, especially for those who were born in, born as Muslims, right? Mm. Um, you may hear uh, the stories of uh, someone, you know, someone who accepted Islam and, you know, it's the story. And, 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 and a lot of times if you're, if you're born into the faith, you think you're not part of that process as well. I mean, but yeah. no, it's like you also have to rediscover your faith on a yeah. constant basis. Yes. And that happens to the person who converts to Islam too. It's not just like this magical, uh, no. you know, it's a constant um, process for all of us. And, and through your book, it's just interesting seeing though, like there's always these like, uh, you know, I was wondering, you know, this is on a, the story Close Call. Um, that, 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 yeah. uh, you know, it's a real, I, if you don't mind, it'd be interesting if you just sort of summarize that story because I think it's very interesting, um, because uh, seeing how both Toba works and also how Allah guides people in different ways. Yeah. Um, if you don't mind. Well, I can, I can try to read it. Let me see if I can find it here. A young man from New York had just embraced Islam. He hadn't shaken off his bad habits and was still vulnerable to the temptations in his old neighborhood. The biggest temptation of all was a beautiful young woman. She never gave him the time of day. Then, after he had entered Islam, he met her on the street, and she was all over him. He couldn't help himself. He ended up in her apartment, in her bedroom, in her bed. Suddenly, buck naked, under the sheets, Seduced by the hottest girl he'd ever seen, he came to his senses. A wave of terror passed through him. He leapt out of bed. I can't do this. I I can't do this. Astaghfirullah, I'm a Muslim. I can't do this, he cried out as he jumped into his clothes and fled the girl's bedroom and apartment full of remorse and fear of God. One year later, he was walking in the neighborhood. From a distance, he spied a young Muslimah he had never seen before, all in white, 
head covered in hijab. As he passed her, he greeted her, Assalamu alaikum. She replied, Wa alaikum salam. And then he did a double take. She was the girl he had run away from. He stopped. You've become a Muslim, he exclaimed. How did you find Islam? She told him, No man had ever run out on me the way you did. And when you cried out, I can't do this, I'm a Muslim, I had to find out what it was in your religion that was more powerful than sex. And when I did, I discovered Islam and became a Muslim. I mean, I hear that story. I'm like, what is more amazing? What the brother did or what happened to that sister? Wow. I mean, it's just an amazing story of how Allah, you know, just how the world works. You know, we, we think of, we, we look at things as not just not, you know, um, the way we think, you know, it's just really it's, amazing. It's really, it's the secret, you know, if you want to call it a secret, but it's obvious for anyone who's experienced it. It's the, you know, it's the secret or the subtlety that your sinning is a means unto Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala potentially. Mm -hmm. And that can be the most powerful means. And oftentimes it is. Yeah. And, for, for uh, you sure. know, kind of seek your means, your wasila, you know, unto Allah. You know, if Allah, you know, eventually and even intentionally is your that destination, then anything can be that means. You know, I recall here a refrain from Rumi where, you know, in the English translation, he says, don't, don't curse manure because it's rain from above that makes the manure into beautiful vegetation, mm -hmm. which really is a parable here to, it's an analogy to the manure of our deeds and our sins, that if we turn to Allah and Tawbah, uh, the waters of the mercy of Allah, you know, of God can transform that into something beautiful. Mm. Yes. Yeah. And so there's some verses of Quran that speak of this, actually, uh, this kind of transformation that, you know, Allah can change um, your deeds into better deeds or something like this in paraphrase. And, and my sense is that the subtlety of Tawbah is all about this. Yes, yes. Well, it's, it's basically the, the, the engine that drives you through life uh, toward Allah. You, 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 we have an ex external life and we have an internal life. And w the, the problem today is that people do, don't d develop their internal reality. They just, everything is externalized. And of course, then they're left, you know, when the external reality starts, you know, slipping away, they're left with themselves. And if they, if they don't have any knowledge, if they, I mean, Ibn Atayla said, uh, wrote, if people attack you, and again, I'm paraphrasing as well from the Hikam, he said, if people attack you, be satisfied with the knowledge of Allah within you. And if you're not satisfied with the knowledge of Allah within you, this is a much worse trial than people attacking you from outside. And th th this is something that I think as Muslims we really seriously need to take, uh, in, take, take to heart. We, we, we have lost this uh, internal direction toward Allah and everyone is worried about how they're going to be in the, you know, in the world. And I see this, you know, with a lot of these activist movements, Muslim activists, they want to be, they want to be amazing and they want to be supermen and they want to be, there are lots of conferences about Muslim leadership and all of that. Well, that's fine. But if you have no internal reality, you've lost the point. 
Islam is not about identity or community. It isn't. It's about knowing God. And everything else comes from that. So communities come out of that if that's where, you know, what, what the intention is. But it's not like a Muslim identity. I'm born a Muslim, so I have to put my, you know, make my mark in the world. Because the mark that you make in the world, in the world can become a stain. You know, it's, it's, it's not, a, so it, it's, it's a complete reversal of the, of, of the sort of Western idea of, of, you know, becoming great, of building the ego, making the ego amazing. And, you know, and I think this comes from a kind of in, inferiority complex that uh, many Muslims ha have, even whether they know it or not, from the, from the, our, history of the last couple of hundred years where Muslim countries were subjugated and colonized and that sort of thing and Muslims were made to feel that they were second-class citizens and now they're minorities and so there's a lot of you know effort to 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 build up you know confidence and so on but the best way to do that is 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 by having internal knowledge and you see how that how how much how powerful that is when people come up to you and they say, what have you got? What, what is it that you have that I don't have? And I've had non-Muslims come, come to me and say, what, what is it that you have? And they don't even know I'm a Muslim. And so we have, some, we have a treasure in our hand, um, but it's not a po political movement. It's not, a, it's not an ideology. It's not a, a, a form of identity. It's a way to know God. And, and uh, you know, we, we say these things in, in, our, in our prayers and in, in, in our invocations. La hawla wa la illa billah. And we, you know, a lot of people don't, they don't actually believe it. But if you think about it, there is no strength and no power but from Allah. You, you, we don't have any power. So the, the most powerful moment in, in our lives is, is when we're helpless and we turn everything to Allah and then things begin to happen. And you, this is where you see the imminence or the presence of God. And that very often happens in the process of tawbah, when you, you've done something and you're desperate, you know, you just feel like, you know, you, you can't do anything anymore. I'm sure that you've experienced that with this, this terrible opioid epidemic, uh, Indeed. where pe pe people just oh, yeah. feel help. They've been taking things to make them feel like supermen, and then they, they hit a blind wall. And they, and they can't go any further. I, I mean, I'm assuming that. I don't, I don't. Um, like that certainly happens. Um, but you'll be surprised that it takes a lot for that to actually happen. So there's many, you know, patients of mine and, you know, just many patients who can't admit yeah. that they have this kind of addiction. And they become offended, you know, of course. Um, yeah. you know, if you suggest that you have a dependency here, I'm seeing this you know, as your doctor, I'm seeing these signs, and I would just like to inform you about it. If you'd like to talk about it, you know, I'm here for you. Yeah. Um, but very few you know, you know, individuals will walk in and say, Doc, right. look, I have a serious problem. You don't know this, but I've been taking these you know, on the streets, and I need to stop this. You know, I've, got, you know, you know, I've got a wife, I've got kids, you know, I need to get my life straight. I have you know, certain priorities, I need to do this now. 
And so that's, and of course, they come through the gate of humility and, you know, being humbled by this process. Um, but the, those who are not ready for that right. are going to react and, and be angry, you know, if you bring it up. Um, well, that's an old story, too. I mean, sure. leaving aside even uh, chemical means and, and, and that sort of thing. I mean, it's happened. It happened in the time of the prophet. There were people who were proud and arrogant and they just couldn't, you know, they couldn't, they couldn't give up, mm. you know, whatever they thought they had. So that's part of life as well. Mm. So as a, um, as a, as a final um, question, um, um, you know, you've spent all this time interviewing all the people, uh, in the book. Um, was there anything that surprised you that you learned in this journey or that you found most rewarding, the most rewarding part of this project? And, and what is it that you, you would hope that the readers of this book, um, take in at the end, your, your greatest hope for that? I think if if readers um, began to reorient themselves and and uh, realize that they can that they can transform themselves through uh, the, uh, the 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 process of Islam and f embracing the Sharia and uh, Coming closer to uh, God through invocation and and through seeking guidance from rightly guided people, um, and if they understand that this this is a a priority, that the, the, that the purification of the heart is 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 what we're what we're really about, and to also have hope that even if they've done terrible things in life. That they can, they they have the constant and perpetual um, access to forgiveness and to transformation, and not it's not in forgiveness in a in an abstract way, but it's a forgiveness in in, in the deepest possible way, where their 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 wrong actions are erased, and 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 that they that they they can replace these wrong actions with good actions and this is the, and the, they see the benefit for the heart that that they they can be they can live a a life of of happiness and and contentment and satisfaction with wh what they have and they can begin to to have light in the heart and light in their eye and light in their intellect and they can they can really benefit from this the path that that we all have access to and have this experience of intimacy with God which is really the source of happiness and and if 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 i if if the the book can lead people in this direction i it would i would be grateful as as to as to what surprised me in the book, I think um, whether well, there were a lot of things that surprised me, uh, uh, but I think one of the things that was most interesting was that there are these patterns that you can see in the the trajectory of people's lives toward belief and toward tauba and toward turning their their hearts around their their common experiences that they had which became very clear 
on uh, you know on, on, in in the course of interviewing people, and uh, I, and and also how interesting everybody's life is. You know, I mean, people. Everybody has a, has has a beautiful existence, and you know, not everyone can describe it. You know, or has the the ability to articulate it, but you know, everyone has a secret. Everyone has the 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 ability to be connected to the the, the divine, to the to 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 the the infinite, and uh, this is a beautiful thing. Uh, my teacher, Sayyid Omar Abdullah, uh, Allah have mercy on him and be well pleased with him. He said to me once, if you read the Quran very carefully, you will see that most people go to heaven. He didn't say most Muslims, he said most people. Because Allah is the most merciful of the merciful. And I, I think that we have to hold, you know, keep that in mind and, and, and be tolerant of people and have a good opinion of people and uh it, it will and and have 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 hopes in god and uh be re and rest assured rest assured that this is not a conspiracy to throw you into hell we're, we're living in a conspiracy to send you to heaven mm, that's beautiful yeah that's a beautiful point to to really end a really um you know, much like a great discussion about a book that for both me and, and Hassan that, um, you know, we really just, you know, we very much have benefits so greatly from reading, um, your book. Um, I really appreciate just as a final point about the book that how you not only weaved both figures of the past, um, uh, as well as the present, but also your own life experience in the book. And uh, I don't know about you, Hassan, but, I, um, you know, these type of, you know, we talk about Toba, we talk about these, some of these concepts. It's like, it's very difficult, as I said in the beginning, about to, to talk about them abstractly, but it's also difficult sometimes to read about it. But like in reading this book, it just felt like very light, you know, like to read about some of these things because I, I feel like just by having these, um, these stories, right? I look at it the way of the time of the Sahaba, right? I mean, you have this, this, the Quran coming, this heavy message and this beautiful message, but it was the lightness that came from the living Quran, the Prophet ﷺ, his lived experience, their experience with him. And that's how I feel about like, as we hear these stories in this book as well, is that this, these very immense concepts of, of the heart turning to Allah, but yet it's such a, it's such a, it's such delivered in such a light way, um, through these stories. So I want to thank you, uh, CD for that. And we really advise all our listeners to, um, uh, to, uh, go and check out his book. It's called Hearts Turn, uh, Sinner Seekers, Saints and the Road to Redemption. Um, it's available at Mecca Books, it's available on, on Amazon, I think, and other, other, other booksellers. So please check that out by uh, author uh, Sidi Harun Michael Sudic. And I want to thank you again for, for joining us today. Thank you, Hassan, for, for coming on. We're going to have to have you come on as well again for another show, inshallah. It's and to all the listeners, um, thanks for joining us for another podcast. Be sure to uh, give us your feedback at uh, Iman Wired on Twitter or uh, Iman Wired at Medina Institute.org. If you're listening to us on iTunes, please give us a five star rating. Rating. Uh, and most importantly, really share the, share the podcast with um, friends, family, anyone who you think may benefit. Um, that really helps this podcast go out to um, uh, reach a, uh, um, an audience, uh, a greater audience, uh, anyone who, um, uh, who can benefit from that. So I want to thank you again for listening and we hope to see you again in the next program. Until then, assalamu alaikum, peace be unto you. As-salamu